Welcome to Gu Dao Jingxing, Walking the Timeless Way, a podcast that digs deeply into the ancient texts of Dao De Jing to uncover the timeless wisdom and discuss how to apply it to today's chaotic world. I'm David Wang, executive coach and consultant. I'm joined by my co-host Ian Felton, a practicing、uh, psychotherapist and coder. Good morning, Ian. Morning, David. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too.、Uh, we are in, and also let's、uh, welcome our、uh, listeners. Right? Hey, listeners. <laughs> okay, so、uh, today we are studying together、uh, chapter sixty-eight、uh, of Dao De Jing. And、uh, first of all, as we always, as always, I would like to invite you to read、uh, in the. You know, in Chinese, I'm gonna. I'll give it a shot. So here's chapter sixty-eight. 善为使者不武，善战者不怒，善上敌者不疑，善用忍者为之下。是谓不张之德。是谓用人之力，是谓配天古之极。Oh, that's good. That sounds good to me. Okay. Now let let me uh, uh, translate line by line uh, in uh, into uh, English. Uh, you know, over the years, many people have tried to、uh, translate that into from the original text into English. There are different versions of it. I happen to come across,、uh, you know, a, a interesting one. So I'll use part of it, especially the beginning part of it. Okay. So the translation is something like this:、uh, the best soldiers aren't big, aggressive jerks who love war. <laughs> They don't stomp around being angry all the time. The greatest victories are won without violence. The greatest greatest leaders lead with humility.、Um, the、uh, this is known as the virtue of not striving. This is known as ability to work with people. This since ancient times. Has been known as the ultimate unity with Dao. That's great. I, I I love the the added humor. It's it's always yeah、um, yeah yeah. Well, I think it's it's it really is part of Taoism. I think the more that you you study it, that that humor is there. It it recognizes the absurdity of life. I think well before. It became part of kind of like French philosophy and the absurdists and that sort of thing. I mean,、uh, Zhuangzi and、uh, in particular, I, I think he he really expressed a, a a lot of humor and cynicism and and he was probably you know one of the first kind of ironic philosophers. Yes, yes, yes. I love、uh, Zhuangzi. I, I think some of his writing,、uh, you know. Kind of a poetic and romantic, you know, like it's it's it's、uh, 
I, I think it's beautiful, you know, to mm -hmm. read. And also uh, the, all the little, uh, you know, stories uh, mm -hmm. about not just human beings, about all kinds of animals uh, mm -hmm. in his writing are quite good. Yeah, and, and so... Um... Yeah, maybe sometime we can we can get into that a, a, a little more. Yep, yep, yep. So for this chapter, uh, so after uh, you know, after we read this, uh, let's maybe uh, start by talking about the kind of the overarching theme. What do you see? You know, as you read this chapter, what do you see as the uh, the key uh, message? Or the focus. Well, there's still this sort of place where Lao Tzu is is, is really at, uh, encouraging us to not let ourselves become out of control. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, this this feels a lot like um, encouraging that. that the moderation uh, again of of mm -hmm. you know if if you're just kind of like a a letting your uh, emotions run wild that you're cer certainly um, not a benefit to to anyone e even in in warfare that even in warfare Lao Tzu encourages you know he says he who is the most compassionate will will be victorious and, and, you know, still keeping ourselves grounded mm -hmm. in our humanity. And so e even in this chapter, we're, we're seeing the, the grounding that Lao Tzu has in, in the human condition mm -hmm. and that this was something that was already being recognized, you know, hundreds of years before our common Mm -hmm. era that that we we have to be grounded in an awareness of of the human condition and, and human nature and that we shouldn't just kind of be roaming the earth as brutes even when we're doing arguably one of the most horrific things that humans can engage in which is the the killing of other humans over you know it's state sanctioned but mm -hmm. e e even then, if if it comes to that, that it's an imperative. We we have to stay grounded in, in the human condition. These are other people that are dying. We should be humane about that to the extent mm -hmm. that it's possible. Do you think you know uh, he is uh, is Lao Tzu a, a, a pacifist? Like uh, he is like all for peace and nonviolence. What what's your take on that? It seems like it. Um, there's so many chapters in Tao Te Ching that, that say, you know, people are doing the best when mm -hmm. the horses are plowing the fields and, and when weapons are hidden from view. I mean, it's quite the opposite of the situation that we see in America today, this, this push of, um, you know, everyone if everyone was just carrying a gun, then mm -hmm. all, all of the problems of, of crime would, would go away. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. if it was known that everyone had a gun on their person, that, that somehow that that's going to be 
what makes us um, a polite society. Mm. And, um, you know, and I'm, and I'm not opposed to um, people owning guns. I own a gun my, myself, mm-hmm. but this idea that, you know, our society is improved when weapons are on display mm-hmm. is, is the opposite of, of Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu says, mm-hmm. you know, so- society, that the health of society in some ways can be measured by how, how many militaristic displays they have, that if there's these militaristic displays all the time, but that's really a sign of of disease in mm-hmm. in society. Mm-hmm. Is keeping a gun uh, kind of a is a part of the, the tradition? I still uh, you know don't quite understand what is the deep uh, you know philosophical uh, you know reasons for keeping a gun. Like why why do mm-hmm. people uh, find it necessary and also have a, such a strong and even sometimes emotional belief about it. Well, I think a lot of it is rooted in serious concerns around governments and their mm-hmm. propensity to be authoritarian. I mean, if you look at mm-hmm. pretty much most most governments in our modern time, even the ones that profess to have a lot of um, freedom, I mean, they're they're authoritarian. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the government is fully armed mm-hmm. and they're fully willing to use that for their purposes. And, mm-hmm. and looking at the United States being founded on the the rebellion against the mm-hmm. the British king and and the tyranny of mm-hmm. the British government I think that that spirit is is something that that still propels people to feel like they have a, a duty to be armed um, mm-hmm. you know and and you hear that in a lot of right-wing circles but the irony of that is that they actually tend to really, be in support of the authoritarian state, mm. you know, they, mm. that the, the people who tend to um, be very much in, in favor of, of owning guns and, and not just like a little handgun, like what I have, but, you know, rifles and automatic weapons and, you know, all, all kinds of things, but they also happen to be part of the, military and police force in the United States. So they're actually part of that, you know, if there was a tyrannical government, I mean, they, they tend to be part of the, the branches of government that would enforce that tyranny. So, you know, there's, there's a little bit of, of um, irony there. Mm. So the suspicion of the government's authority is like the uh, fundamental reason. Like, it, 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 you know, For I was sure. wondering, wondering to what extent is a kind of a, a genuine need because there are governments around the world, right? Why mm-hmm. people, uh, uh, some people in the United States, they think they're unique uh, in terms of having gun versus other uh, like countries. 
you know, let's say democracies. Well, um, maybe tell me a little bit more about you mean what you mean. Like, how, why is it that that like uh, do, do other countries like uh, you know uh, Canada like are they free to own guns like Britain or Germany? I don't think so. I mean, right. definitely not. Like, I know in in Canada, I'm pretty sure you can own a weapon, but it's 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 for you know, hunting and, and sporting. And I think that there's a lot more regulation, regulation. around it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe it's a a part of it is some uh, traditions, traditional beliefs. And part of it is um, uh, for, for some other reasons, like the like interest groups and stuff. Yeah. And I mean, and, and I think maybe you're pointing toward like the the, the NRA and, and yeah. you know, it's, it's a big political yeah lobbying and and i think that that's the thing like when when you look at the united states and and look at political groups in in this country whether you're talking about you know owning guns or on the left maybe even around equity and diversity i mean there's a lot of money to be made and mm -hmm. so now mm -hmm. you have to look at you know why are these organizations pushing it and right. generally most of the time it's it's an industry. They they want to make money from it, and there's lots of people that profit from it. There's there's gobs of cash, right? And and if you can convince people of of some meta narrative like uh, owning a gun is patriotic, owning a gun is how we stay free, right? Right. Then you're going to make a lot of money, and of course that's that's what happens whether you're um trying to um, get people to spend a ton of money on, on arming themselves or, or getting people, um, you know, to enact some programs and corporations to, mm -hmm. you know, try to educate people around something. I mean, if you can create a boogeyman and if you can create um, some story and, mm -hmm. and, and get people to identify with it, you're going to be, you're going to get rich. And so there's no shortage of that in, in our country. I mean, it's all very cynical. I mean, there's, um, it's not necessarily healthy for society, mm -hmm. but so, so long as, um, people are getting rich off of it, we'll, we'll see that. Right, right. I find the narratives are quite interesting because that narratives, as you said, you know, can be, uh, you know, uh, manufactured or, or mm -hmm. you know, uh, or, uh, you know, can be can be sold to, you know, a lot of the, the people who, mm -hmm. you know, believe that uh, the best way to resolve, uh, you know, conflicts is to have something powerful you know a, a tool or or a weapon or mm -hmm. or something right which you know kind of uh getting back to this chapter uh you know i think uh really this chapter there's some uh uh you know recurring themes you know as you said like a humility moderation but also specifically i think it also is talked about a different kind of a attitude toward conflicts or war you know, war is only one of the conflicts, right? Sort mm -hmm. of the conflicts in general. How, what is the, it seems to me that, you know, Lao Tzu is 
Laos thinks that conflicts are part of the human condition, mm-hmm. right? It's part of nature that you you have those. Like those things yeah, are inevitable. Yeah. The question is how do how do you approach it? Mm-hmm. There 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 are different ways of, of approaching it. Yeah, and of course, Lao Tzu says we should try to be compassionate and kind to each other. That that conflict doesn't have to end in homicide. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I was wondering, uh, you know, to be compassionate, is that all, you know, by all means like that, or maybe there's certain contexts and situations? How do we understand, you know, Lao's view, uh, like, uh, like sometimes you know, there's a, like a danger, or there, like, there's like a perceived uh, threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's that's um, let's look at that. I mean, Lao Tzu obviously isn't a pacifist like um, like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because he acknowledges that war- warfare is part of being a human. I, I mm-hmm. don't think that he would say that, yes, the goal was to uh, eliminate um, any sort of violence because he clearly acknowledges like vi- violence is going to happen. But if it does happen, you want to minimize it and and do as little as as possible and and probably even re- retreat or create distance between you and your enemy before in, engaging in mm-hmm. conflict and only do it if it's absolutely necessary mhm mhm then uh what's the what's the reason for that uh why uh, that will be the best approach from, you know, the, let's say the person, like I'm evaluating, like, should I retreat? Uh, should I attack? Hmm. So, so why is it, is there a, a, an argument by uh, here that it's in my best interest to, to, to do, to do that? I think the obvious thing is just like mm. n- no one gets out of conflict unscathed. I mean, you're always mm. going to be hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, it's just it's it, it's only in movies and and fantasy where mm. you know some big muscular hero mm. goes goes into to fight the bad guys, and you know he he kills a you know 200 armed bad guys and and walks out with just like you know this little scratch on his arm i mean mm, that's just mm, that's a great point it's like that is a, like a more of a fiction in, in real life what you're saying is it's actually not it doesn't save uh, both parties you know to to be engaged in uh in a it's like a it's a costly thing it's that. costly, no matter what. I mean, e- even if you look at mm-hmm. the the um, if you look at um, a a sublimation of warfare, which mm-hmm. is um, using the courts, right? Like so, in, instead of du- dueling and 
you know, shooting each other at 10 yards, we'll go to the courts because I've been, I I've said that I've suffered some loss mm-hmm. and, you know, as soon as you sue someone, you're already spending money. So now you're incurring more costs, yeah. which you could say is, is damage, but then you're also opening up yourself to be investigated by the other side. And so, you know, now you're opening yourself up to potentially even more damage when the, the, the person that you brought some sort of legal dispute against has a right now to um, look at your life and look at what's going on with you and, and, you know, ask for documents from your side. I mean, there's potentially a lot of damage can be done. So there's just this idea that there's, you know, someone going to go into a conflict and come out unscathed. Just it's, it's not reality. I mean, you're, you're always going to be damaged somehow when, when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. What you're saying reminds me of uh, an old saying in Chinese from the lots of, from the, um, uh, some of the uh, martial arts stories, mm-hmm. uh, uh, translating into English, it means uh, grievances begets grievances. When is going to be the end to it? In mm-hmm. other words, like this is like escalating. You know, mm-hmm. it's like one thing, you know, like a damage then leads to another damage. It's it's like an arms race, yeah, which will raise the cost for for everyone. Yeah. And and here, here's an example. This past week or two. There was a story, a local story here where. There was two guys in, in a restaurant bar. Mm hmm. And this restaurant bar had COVID restriction in place because everyone is still doing that mm-hmm. for the most part. And in the men's restroom, they took, um, you know, how they have the, the men's urinals in a row. And to create space, they covered up one of the urinals with plastic wrap so that no one would use it and they would create social distance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just like the seats, right? Sometimes like the, the, the seats in between now, you cannot sit, uh, sit there, right? Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and so someone came in, probably drinking, who knows? But there was two um, guys in there who an argument started because someone tore the plastic wrap off of the urinal and started using it. Uh, uh And and someone, you know, made a comment about, Hey, don't do that or whatever. Well, now the other person took offense. The other guy responds. And now, now this is escalating. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, eventually by the end of the story, um, they were outside the guy who used the the urinal approached the guy who accused you know told him yeah. hey don't, don't do that right and they started um fighting and eventually the the guy who used the urinal punched the guy in the face mm-hmm. he fell down and hit his head on the concrete and died so now this guy who 
just wanted to use a urinal and rip the plastic. Right. It, it started with that. Now he's probably going to spend the rest of his life in, in jail, or at least, you know, even if it's 10 or 20 years, mm -hmm. this all started because he got into an argument around where he was going to pee. Mm, yeah. Like something very small, small. And uh, it just like turned into, you know, something probably, you know, he, he probably didn't intend in the first no. place. He never would have imagined that his obnoxious, boorish behavior mm -hmm. was going to lead to him now having his life completely ruined. I mean, his life is over. And the other guys literally did. And and so you even have to question that. Like, is it worth is it worth even, you know, I mean, in some ways, the guy who's dead now, mm -hmm. I mean, he kind of started the the conflict by saying to this guy, hey, hey, don't do that. Right, right, you know, right. He he could have he could have just, you know, said, hey, I don't feel safe next to himself. He could have been like, oh, I don't feel safe next to this guy. I'm just going to get out of here because this guy's obviously, I mean, you can kind of see already the guy next to you is a little unhinged. He's yes, car yes. carrying the, the plastic, which is a pretty, I mean, he's not thinking clearly. It's pretty obvious. Like here's this guy tearing through the plastic and, and you think you're going to have a rational argument with him. I mean, that's just not going to, you have to think to yourself, like that's not going to happen. And so that guy actually made a bad move because he started being aggressive toward the guy, right? Like he, mm -hmm, he started mm -hmm. telling him, Hey, you're wrong for doing, doing that. Well, yeah, the guy was an idiot, but he didn't have to take that first move that escalated into, you know, someone dying, he could have just said, oh, I don't feel safe. And this guy's obviously, you know, something's wrong with him. I'm just going to get away from him. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a good, uh, good analysis here that you are making. I think the ability to read uh, the situation and uh, read the person involved, whether that person is really uh, I'm not saying like coachable, like something, somebody mm -hmm. who is a jerk. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a, I think it's a, it's a, a sign of, uh, it's a, a sign of intelligence too, right? Mm -hmm. So that intelligence, let's say the other person, yeah, I think at that moment, uh, different people might have had a, uh, made different choices, as you said, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So this person who, you know, who read the situation, who thought, you know, he would say something to him. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, kind of in hindsight, I feel like, I don't know what was the tr trigger. Like, do you think that the person, the first person who said something to the other guy, you know, I was wondering how that person uh, thinks or behaves in day-to-day -day life, you know? Yeah. It's yeah, not it's like question. we're thinking about it. It did something uh, uh, that... At some point, did that dooms to happen, or it's just like coincidence? Do do you think it's it seems to me like it's a very uh, how would you say that it's like just by chance 
this two guy, one guy is, I don't know how to describe it. The other one is a jerk. Mm-hmm. They just like coincided in the, this bathroom. <laughs> that, <laughs> then there's yeah. a trigger there. Yeah, that, that, that those sort of um, energies collided. You know, yeah. so, someone who is like a, a, a rebel and anti-authority, like mm-hmm. they're a, because that's that's really like a rebellious act, right? Like, oh, you're telling me I can't pee here. Well, I'm going to show you I'm going to pee here. Right. And then you have this guy who probably takes on maybe a little bit of this like white knight. I'm 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 here to sort of I'm like the 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 voice of morality here. And yeah, and yeah, yeah, and, yes. And, and I'm going to correct I'm going to correct you. Right, right, right. And it's like. Well, that's already staged. You know, you have one person who doesn't want to be controlled and is sort of acting that out. No yes. one's going to, no one's going to tell me what to do. Right, right. And right. then you have this other guy who, sort of, is taking on this role of like, you know, the um, the white knight who's like out there c- correcting society's right. wrongs and. Oh, here's someone who is out of line. I, I'm going to put them in their their place. Well, of course they're going to end up at odds. Yeah, yeah. I feel this uh, example you're giving is a very uh, kind of is a is a good case study. I, I can in my mind I can think of you know other similar examples. So if you like think about cases like that, you know uh, you know we ask the question, how can we walk the timeless way, right? Mm-hmm. How would you distill from the cases, like maybe, you know, some tips for our listeners, like in situation like this, uh, what are, you know, are some of the general way of thinking about it or like situation like that? Well, it's, a, it, it, it's, it's tough because for, for one, it's, it's difficult to classify mm-hmm life into these little vignettes that life doesn't happen. Like we, we've kind of constructed this vignette and mm-hmm. we're, mm-hmm. you know, we've boxed it in this nice, tidy little point in time. And we're talking about these two people, but like we don't have any context of right what was going on in their life that day. Did the, did the guy who, you know, rip through the, the urinal, like w- what's been happening in his life right. w- w- is, is he, you know, feeling obviously, you know, uh, upset about something and, and he's acting this out or, or maybe like, maybe he really, really just had to pee mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, and he's like, well, like I got to go right now and right. I'm, so I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. And, and maybe the other guy, maybe he's feeling powerless in his job. Maybe his boss like chewed him out that day or, mm-hmm. or something. And so. And he needed to get it out to he somebody. He needed to get right? it out to somebody. Right, right, and, right. Right. Yeah. So you are saying that uh, it's kind of hard to generalize. There's kind of a unpredictable element in all different kinds of situations. Yeah, I would like to say like, oh, here, here's my advice: do this and do that. But it's like, the fact of the matter is, a lot of what we do is not within 
the awareness of our conscious mind that there, there's all kinds of unconscious stuff happening inside of us all all the time, which is why, um, you know, I think things like psychotherapy and and not just the kind where it's like, oh, I've been a- anxious a lot lately, so I'm going to go and mm-hmm. and get some, you know, some tips on how to manage my a- anxiety, but really more like understanding yourself on a deep way, your, your desires, your wishes, um, your, um, kind of relational patterns that you tend to find yourself in and, and, and really just get a much deeper understanding about your own kind of motivations as an organism at, at a deeper level, not just a, a, a conscious level, mm-hmm. because it's it's that type of, of growth and, and understanding that then lets us have a little bit more insight into those situations to help us be more Taoist in the sense of, oh, there's a lot I can do to avoid this situation from turning out badly. Mm, I see. So you are saying that like on a daily basis, like before these incidents, situation even emerge, uh, you know, we cultivate. We, we It's almost like there's no war uh, in there, but mm-hmm. we are practicing. Like we are, uh, we are training ourselves to be more self-aware. And, uh, and then when those situations do come, we are like in a better state than... Um, you know, other situation, then Mm -hmm. if we don't have that kind of mindset, yeah, that what you mean? Like, it's like, it's a preparation, it's a preparation. And then uh, you can tackle that. You you, then you can tackle any specific situation much better and with a clearer mind. For for sure. So for example, when, and, and I see therapy as, um, there's another component where you're know, cultivating compassion and um, these emotional states yeah, and really generating our ability to stay in touch with the human condition in a much deeper way. Mm-hmm. That's more of a, um, a third wave um, cognitive behavioral uh, uh, approach, but even deeper than that. I mean, that's, that's uh, it. it it's a spiritual approach of, of many traditions. I mean, that is what the wisdom traditions across the board, not just Taoism, mm-hmm. but I mean, the religion is the practice of that. I mean, when people say like, Oh, I'm a religious person mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. our day and age, it, it's empty. It's meaningless. It's, it, it, it just, it, it, it's saying like, I believe in this, what this book says is, is right. And now I'm just going to go and do whatever the hell I want. Right. That, that's not religion. Religion means what do I practice every day in an earnest, sincere way to cultivate these states to where I maintain contact with the human condition, the suffering that's entailed and relate to people with, with the full awareness that, that they're suffering and, and just like I am. 
Ah, uh, another uh, uh, Chinese idiom I remember is called It's the union of knowledge and practice. Wow, yeah, exactly. Zhi is like 知道, right? 知道, mm -hmm. I know yeah, it. Knowledge. Yeah. But it's not only you know it, but I do it, right? To do. Like, uh, yeah, like, uh, yeah. To do. Like, yeah, like uh, walking the timeless way. Yeah. So a lot of times I find, um, yes, I think um, uh, you may know it intellectually, like it's in your head, mm -hmm. but it's not really part of part, part of you, mm -hmm. right? So the, mm -hmm. the, 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 the cultivation um, helps bringing together what you know and close the gap between the, that knowledge and doing, the doing yeah. and knowing gap. Yeah, that's my problem with with a lot of philosophy and philosophers and mm -hmm. um, e even therapists, it, it's, mm -hmm. if it's just intellectual, I mean, if, if you're reading all this stuff and it's just in your head and, mm -hmm. and, and you're not embodying the stuff where, where your organism actually is in its environment in a way where your experiences fully reflect this practice that you've done. I, I really don't care what, what anyone has to say, whether it's on mm -hmm. capitalism or communism or socialism mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. anarchy or all of these conceptualizations. And, and I mean, it's ideology mm -hmm. and you, mm -hmm. and you can even have an ideology of, of, of no ideology, right? That, that can become your ideology. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have an ideology. That's my ideology. Mm -hmm. I, I don't care because what matters is what kind of person are you? What What is your daily practice? Like, what are you doing each day mm -hmm. to actually maintain a connection with, like, for example, w with what, what we're looking at in Taoism, the three treasures of humility, mm -hmm. moderation, kindness, compassion. Mm -hmm. um, in my psychotherapy practice, I do a lot of compassion work. And, and my goal is to try to help people learn how to train and cultivate that state of kindness and compassion within themselves. Because, I mean, one, it has psychological benefits and engages our parasympathetic nervous system, which is how we relax. It's how we soothe ourselves and so there's just psychophysiological benefits mm -hmm. to it which which is the only approach that i take with my psychotherapy clients because it's not up it's not for me to tell them how they should you know what they should believe or or, or value but i can say well the more compassionate you are the more you're going to be healed from the stress of life just from a psychophysiological perspective. Right. Uh, I have a question uh, regarding uh, compassion. Uh, generally speaking, uh, you know, like in conflict situations, uh, it's kind of a more challenging, right? Mm -hmm. To, uh, to, um, to, to feel that kind of a compassion or to display mm -hmm. or demonstrate that compassion, mm -hmm. right? because of the conflict situation. Uh, so it seems like uh, by building it on a daily basis, you build that reserve, right? That reserve. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then it, it comes in maybe handy like uh, during that situation. But mm-hmm. in general, uh, how do you, are there a particular ways of thinking um, or uh, f- uh, framing the situation in your head or looking at it in different ways when you get into a conflict, uh, like a conflict? How does that uh, compassion, are there, you know, certain again, tips that uh, you could share in those situations? Well, uh, once the situation is there, it's, it's, it's all unconscious at that point. There's no, mm. um, I mean, I, I'm not going to say it's all unconscious because we still have executive functioning, but largely yeah. what's playing out at that point, it's, sponta- yeah. it's spontaneous. Right. So, uh, you know, I think I I understand that uh, in order to be more effective, you have to practice it like mm-hmm. daily, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is for sure. But then, let's say you suddenly you are uh, so you are develop cultivating yourself uh, mm-hmm. on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. But suddenly, you know, all of a sudden you get into a situation. How do you in that situation? How do you act and use that situation as an opportunity? to continue to practice. Maybe let's see that in, in, in that way. Uh, do you see what I mean? Like you, yeah. uh, in when you practice it, maybe you are practicing it. You cannot separate yourself by practicing it in an artificial, like a lab, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, we're dealing with all kinds of situations daily. Is yeah. there a way of like integrating the two so that you know, I understand that maybe you have some quiet time to kind of reflect and mm-hmm. think, you know, like cultivating that compassion. But then you really have to go to the battleground or any mm-hmm. kind of tough situations to apply it, to use it. How do you bring together the two? Well, well help me understand more of the, the pla- places that you're talking about. Are you talking about where there's still amount, a certain amount of civility like in the workplace or are you talking about like where there's an actual kind of real conflict that that is happening you know it, like walking down the street or mm-hmm. you know help help me understand more the the context that you're sure of. uh so we're talking about uh you know, as a part of the therapy, uh, you talked earlier, like we cultivate our compassion, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm wondering uh, in what kind of context we cultivate that com- particular compassion. Isn't the situ- real situation in life, like that stressful, conflicting situation, that is the best place for us to test it? Yeah. So I, I guess the only thing I can do is is talk about um, some of my own experiences because I don't know what it's going to look like for anyone else, but I do know mm-hmm. um, what it's looked like for for me in some situations. So mm-hmm. I'll give you one example. I was working security for a fish concert for their millennial. It was the New Year's Eve 1999. Mm-hmm. And me and some of my friends were um, working security for the the show, and 
of course, at those shows, there's people on drugs. There's people who are out of out of control as a result. There's there's always you know potential for chaos and and violence. Well, there was um, someone who was really um, having a psychotic episode on probably LSD or or something. I mean, they were mm-hmm. really psychotic. And he was a really big guy and um, clearly, clearly way, way out there. Mm-hmm. And I recognized what state he was in, but still recognized him as a human being mm-hmm. who, I mean, and I'm not thinking all this at the time, and this is where I'm talking about. It's just spontaneous. I'm not sitting here saying, mm-hmm. oh, well, look mm-hmm. look at this person and how they're suffering. and how Right, 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 like, right. None right. of that's going through my head. But mm-hmm. I just approached him, and again, from a place within myself of human to human, mm-hmm. and just started asking him things like, oh, what do you think of the band? Mm. How are, What do you think of the music? And instead of talking to him like he was a psychotic person, Mm. talking to him like he's just another person here in this place with me, and we can both just kind of talk about the music that's playing and and what about the band. And and, and that was working, Mm. Mm. and he was calming down, and he was kind of his whole emotional state was changing. Mm. Well, here's this other guy who was working security too. Mm. And it was like the second I had him calm, he jumps up and gets in the guy's face and starts like threatening him. Mm. And of course what happened, he completely got aggravated, went completely back into a psychotic state. And then eventually what happened, some uh, giant security guard, because I'm not a big guy at all, mm-hmm. come came running from out of somewhere and tackles the guy to the ground and is on top of him and putting the plastic cuffs on him. And it's like, mm-hmm. none of that was necessary. None of it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, all I did was go up to the guy and talk to him like he was a person in that place, there's a band playing. Like we're probably there to to listen to the music first and foremost. No matter who you are, if nothing else, it's at least something that we can connect around. And had those two other people who they were like the people that you described at the beginning of this chapter, like the stomping around and right. uh, like they just they were brutes that just they they were they they wanted to be on the security because this is what they wanted. They wanted an excuse to be a brute. They wanted an excuse to go out and, you know, kick somebody's ass or, or whatever, prove how tough that they were. And it's like, that's not security. That that's, that's sanctioned violence. Security is, can you maintain peace? Can you maintain a sense of humanity? Can you maintain that e- e- even in the middle of, I mean, this guy was psychotic. I mean, he was ter- He, he was saying stuff like I can do whatever I want and was right. like 
like tearing up a tent and you know when when um when we're talking about like the the state of the the police in, in this country right now i mean are there times when the police actually have to shoot and kill someone without a doubt like i i would never want to be a police officer and in that situation where i mean they're sociopaths out on the street with guns and right. they'll they'll kill you without thinking about it. I mean, and, mm -hmm. and you're the one that has to try to stop them. I mean, do they have tough jobs? Of course yes. they, they do. But I still, short of, you know, that person has a gun pointed at you and, 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 and you have to do something to stop them. Of course you have to shoot and, and kill them. That That's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But are there times where, police if they just talked to people like again recognizing their humanity hey what do you think of the weather today i mean and and, mm. and i'm taking i'm mm. taking it to an extreme just i'm being hyperbolic just to the point is if you have time to try to de-escalate and just talk to that person like a human being of course that's where you want to start from but too many, I mean, I, I saw it that, that day. I mean, with my own two eyes, it's like even a psychotic person who was tearing up tents and saying just psychotic things like, I can do whatever I want. When I just approached him as a human being and talked to him from a place of sincerity and talked to him from a place where, you know, on some level, it's just reality testing. Like, oh, like, look around. Like, what's actually going on? A, a band's playing. There's people gathered here. You know, we're just enjoying the music. What do you think about the band? He responded to that immediately. And had I been able to continue with that approach without some jerk jumping in and getting in his face and then some, you know, stomping around brute, like the beginning of this chapter who just wanted to fly in and tackle someone to the ground. I mean, they were acting out their fantasies of being justifiably violent towards someone. And does that happen today with the police? I mean, of course it does. I saw it in that little microcosm that day. It's like very few people were taking the approach that I I mean, no, I didn't see anyone else doing that where, you know, this person is psychotic, but you still treat them like a human being. No, the approach is this person's psychotic. Oh, look, we have an excuse to go and kick their ass or beat them up. Mm, and, and, mm. and that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, what you're saying, I, I think it's very, very insightful. I can relate to it uh, by my own experience. Uh, you know, like recently... You know, uh, in this country, there's a lot of, uh, you know, violence against Asians. Mm. So I, I, you know, I become, uh, you know, more, uh, you know, cautious when I walk around, like in the morning mm. when I walk around the lake for mm -hmm. exercises. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I decide to do, uh, you know, every time when I walk around the lake, no matter who the individuals I see, you know, what the color of their skin is, uh, I actually, you know, what, one thing I do, I smile at them mm. as I approach them and I wave hand at them. Mm. So basically that's my own way of like saying, 
you know, we, we're friends, mm -hmm. you know, we are like, uh, you know, human beings, mm -hmm. you know, I have no ill feeling against you. So that's mm -hmm. my way of protecting myself. Mm -hmm. You know, it's similar when you were uh, talking about that person, you know, who is so kind of, uh, you know, under certain in that certain state. Uh, it's almost like, um, shall we say, sometimes what you get, what what you sow is what you what what you reap is what you sow. So yeah. if you sow goodwill, very likely, I'm not saying 100 percent. Sure, there exactly. is a chance and there's yeah. a risk. But sow the goodwill first, um, and then, you know, let the universe work. Uh, you know work it out as opposed to, you know, uh, going into a situation with your own, like a selfish or maybe narrow mind mindedness to handle the situation. A hundred percent. And, and, and that is the, the reality is that probably that approach 99 times out of a hundred will get you some kind of, at the minimum, a neutral response, like yeah. maybe they'll just walk by you without saying anything and what whatever. Yeah. But but it's going to be rare that if if you're extending yourself as a human being to someone else that you're going to get um, violence and and response. And and again, like obviously, you have to have common sense. Yeah, you're... you you have to be smart and intelligent about it, mm -hmm. right? You know what you are getting into. Yeah. But you do it in such a way uh, that uh, disarm or de-escalate yeah. as you know a situation, mm -hmm. uh, assuming that the other party uh, has still has some spark of rationality or humanity mm -hmm. in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if someone having a psychotic break, mm -hmm. if just talking to them like a human being, it can. can reach that deeply even into a psychotic episode to where someone responds that way mm, that's already a quite extreme situation that's right? an extreme situation so for yes for most people even someone with a violent streak if you just talk to them and not in some like weird way like just be just be a human being like don't, yeah yeah you don't yeah, have to be yeah. some like over like, the top uh, or yeah. some uh, new ages way i mean it's right, not yeah, like yeah. you see what i mean it's like exactly like, like, a, oh, like yeah, a normal yeah. human being yeah like a normal human being yeah yeah wow this is a fascinating conversation i really enjoy it and i think uh you know this a uh, text uh you know of Lao Tzu, it gives us a chance to kind of talk through these situations uh you know uh especially uh, that situations that involve conflicts, you know, which come up more and more in our world. So maybe next time we could, uh, you know, uh, continue this conversation uh, about the, uh, you know, this chapter. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, listeners who join us today also uh, enjoy the conversation and the benefit from it uh, and that can take some of the, you know, uh, key perspectives and insights and uh, into uh, their daily life.